0: Welcome to another episode of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today, we're going out to the West Coast, the number one mid-major team in the country and a top 25 team in the regular poll too. It's going to be Gonzaga head coach Lisa Fortier. Lisa took over the Gonzaga program after an assistant for seven years under Kelly Graves, the current Oregon head coach, and she has continued to pour on the success from the program led them to a sweet 16 in year one they've made the postseason every year they're 10 and 1 they've upset stanford already this season so a team to, to keep your eye out on lisa someone that i don't think is that well known i don't think uh, on a national base she's Um, someone that people really know about or know of and maybe that's just because that program's been humming along that people just kind of say oh yeah they just do their thing but i'm i'm looking forward to getting to getting to know her a little bit and talk to her hear her story and and hear how she's got that zags program moving so swiftly and well so we'll get her on the phone here and be right back this is the jump round And we are back on the Jump Around, and joining me, it is Gonzaga head coach, Lisa Fortier. Coach, thanks so much. I know it's the middle of the season, so time's always precious, and making that trip back from Missouri State yesterday, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time this this afternoon for me. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's nothing
1: else to be doing, right? I Might as well be hanging out
0: with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to start at a very... Um, Unusual point because I just had to ask. I saw that you put on Twitter, hey, the last time we left Springfield, Missouri, uh, we left a player's appendix behind. Please explain that.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't actually the, it wasn't the last time we played those guys. We played these guys in the Virgin Islands a few years after, but my first trip to Springfield, uh, I believe it was my very first year here at Gonzaga. I think it was 2004 or 2005. Um, we went there for the NIP, for um, our second round NIP game, and um, we flew into, I think, St. Louis, and we were driving down, and somewhere like in Branson, Missouri, um, or somewhere, one of our players started feeling some stomach pain, and uh, we ended up having to rush her to the hospital, and um, her and our senior women's administrator were stuck in the hospital where we went and played the game, her appendix, I don't think it burst, isn't that really bad? It actually Yes, burst.
0: that's very bad, yes. But...
1: I think it was, they got it out before it burst. Um, But she um, had it taken out right then, and then she got on a a plane and flew home directly from Springfield. I think the rest of us, uh, after we got our butts kicked um, down there, maybe by about 100, um, we drove ourselves back to St. Louis, and she flew home from there. So um, this trip was better because last time we left with a loss and a large hospital bill. I think on that same trip, we might have left all the per diem money in the safe in the hotel. There were a lot of things that didn't go our way on that last trip. So I was a little bit nervous when we had them on the schedule this year. So glad that it worked out how it did.
0: Escape with the wind. That is that is one of the, the nightmare situations for all director of Vasco operations is, is losing per diem money. Oh, that's terrible. Yes. Yeah,
1: it was not it was not good.
0: Well, uh, safe to say that that loss way back when is uh, one of the few that you've had in in quite some time. You're you're in year five as the head coach. And for people who don't know, year one, you win 26 games, go to the Sweet 16. Uh, You won 19 year two, 26, 27. You're 10 and one this year. You've made the postseason every year. You're an assistant for Kelly Graves, who's now at Oregon, obviously, who uh, for seven years. and, And you take over. And I'm just curious because. Something that I always say is, man, I'd rather if I'm a head coach, I'd rather take over a team that went, you know, oh and 20 than a team that went 20, and know, because those expectations are so high with the bar that he set as the head coach. And obviously you were assisting him in that regards. Was there any pressure when you did take over that job once he left? Uh, did you did you personally feel any pressure to be like, hey, I got to maintain this thing? Or did you just kind of feel like, hey, I know how to how to do this. Let's just keep it rolling.
1: Uh, I think a little bit of both things. I, I think that, that first year, at first, I didn't um, even really know what was happening. I, maybe I was too young. <laughs> um, back then, I was kind of young, at least. Um, I'm not young anymore. Uh, uh, but, uh, still pretty young. <laughs> much, much older. Um, but back then, I think I was young enough to not not necessarily understand the gravity of it. It wasn't until partway through my first year at the head coach that people kept in, yeah, that's a tough gig, and at the final four, I heard people talking about how um, it's a no-win situation for a person who takes over in a situation like me, and, and I was kind of like, well, thanks, that's <laughs> nice to say, at this stage, I already took the job, you know that, right? <laughs> it's, I, it's I'm not considering this anymore, mm-hmm. um, so, and then there are other days where, you know, I knew that I didn't want to try to be Kelly, um, as far as, you know, how he acted or how he coached or any of those things because I wouldn't be um, successful trying to be somebody else. And so I think one of the biggest things that helped me was just um, I wanted, I, I learned a ton from him. I wanted to um, simulate a lot of the stuff that we de- did here as a staff um, before Kelly left and then um, wanted to definitely be successful like he was as a head coach. But, um, you know, although we have similarities, I was very aware of, what do I want to do right now? What 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 did we do in the past that worked well? Um, and then what do we keep? And then what are the things we like to keep a little bit? But how, how can I do this? Not reinvent the wheel, but do it my way a little bit so that um, I can find success. Because I'm not going to be a 6'4". Six, six, <laughs> Um, you know, loud. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be able to be him. I, I'm loud also, but I'm doing it in five, six with, with heels and, you know, <laughs> just a different way.
0: So, Yeah, what can you give me? Um, can you give me a specific of, of something that you do do differently than, than he did? Besides being a 6'4", um, bald white guy?
1: Yeah, we, I mean, that's what stuff. up. We run some stuff differently, and, and we've kept some things. I think a lot of the defensive stuff that um, we put in when I was, an assistant coach, I was in charge of defense. And so I was picking and choosing those things pretty carefully. Um, and he, he was more in charge of the offense Him and Jody handled offense. And so, uh, basketball-wise, we do some things differently when it comes to offense just because now Craig and Stacey, two of my assistants, are thinking more offensive-minded than I Still, mm-hmm. um, Although I have a hand in that, I, I'm still a defense guy. Um, yeah. So those things are, are similar. Um, I think that a lot of things I did as an assistant coach, I'm still doing as a head coach. So, um, the different ways that I relate to the players a little bit, um, you know, it, it was always a family environment before when Kelly was here, but, um, he was the dad. So, and his kids were older, but so mm-hmm. his kids were not always around in the same manner that ours are. Yeah. Um, but as the mom and with, um, you know, my kid's dad is on my staff as well. So they have both parents here. So, so that looks a little bit different. Um, I just think that a lot of the ways – I am I relate to the players in a different way than I think Kelly did, and that's one of the big things. We're still – we're very active in the community, um, and that's been one of the reasons I think we've had so much success with our fan support and our attendance is because of that. And, and so we continue to do those things. Um, so, that, you know, there are a lot of similarities, but a little bit of the,
0: the leaf that's with yeah. on some of it what is it difficult at all and this is like one of those it sounds like a humble brag like is it hard winning all the time but uh, but in, in all seriousness when you do win at the rate that you guys win I mean you're 10 and 1 your only loss is to Notre Dame so fair to fair to say that we can mark that as a, a good loss but it's one of those things where you know if you guys go and drop a conference game people will oh my gosh Gonzaga lost you know is it hard to internally handle that or are your kids pretty are, are they able to kind of stay level-headed through it all
1: they do a pretty good job. I mean, we, if we, when well, we don't play well, so we didn't play great yesterday. Uh, credit Missouri State, they're a good team and they had a good game plan and they played hard and they played well. But we, we were not at our best uh, yesterday. And um, when you, you win the game, um, even though it wasn't pretty and people are still saying, well, I don't know what's going on with Gonzaga or um, if, if we, heaven forbid, we would have lost at a tough place against a good team. Um, then it would be to so some of the people on the outside. It seems much more tragic than those of us on the inside. We know we're very unlucky. We're not going to win forty games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't happen. You know, our, our guys deal with it all the time too. Um, but our, our players, we talk to them a lot about like this is the expectation. Um, it's a problem, but it's a good problem. There's a lot of people who care about Gonzaga basketball, which means and and we're they're invested in us, and yeah. we spend a lot of time with them, so they feel like they're a part of our program. Sure. Um, so I think some of the people on the outside who. Are external, um, you know, they come to the game, but they don't really know the inner workings of a lot of it. They don't even know the basketball quite as well as most of us who are with the team and on the staff um, They 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 take it harder than we do. But for us, we just know that there's a target on our back. It's the it's the thing that everybody says. Um, when you're in our once we get the conference, everybody wants to come in here and like every every conference in the United States and everywhere else, they want to beat the. The champion, the yeah. reigning champion, or the team that's perceived as the, the team that um, the team to beat that year, and so um, it's just kind of the I, I don't know if it's a burden. I think it's a lot a burden that a lot of people would like to bear, mm-hmm. but it is. It just helps you stay sharp, um, or makes you, forces you to stay sharp. Otherwise, you're going to get beaten because teams play up every yeah. every time they play up. Sure.
0: With your success that you've had, I know it's I know it's not just you. You've you've got good support staff and and everything else, but. If I would have asked you back when you were Adobo at Gonzaga, hey, Lise, what, what does this look like for you in 10, 15, 20 years? What what does your career look like? Would you have envisioned it looks like it did now? Or, or you know, did you expect to be at this? I know that's a, a kind of a difficult <laughs> question to, to ask you, but I'm just curious about whenever people had this success, did you see it coming or was it just kind of a pleasant surprise? Um, it's funny, actually. One
1: of my very best camp talks that I give is about confidence and um you you know so many young women I think in any avenue but in sport we certainly see it that's my area of expertise kind of they um don't have the confidence they don't think that they're good enough to do this or uh, confident enough to kind of swing for the fences and and maybe even miss Mm -hmm. or you know some people are more afraid of swinging for the fences and actually get hit in the home run Mm -hmm. and um I, I, it's my favorite camp talk because I I can relate to this. So I, I talked to the campers all the time about how when I was I got cut from my high school team my junior year, and so I had to transfer if I wanted to keep playing basketball. And so I, I think from then on, I was always in this internal monologue of, well, uh, so can I play? I, I, want, I kind of want to play in college, and so I transferred so I could keep playing. And then I went to a junior college and um, was doing great. And then I hurt my knee, and I didn't play a lot in the end. And so kind of the same thing happened in coaching is I was a juco kid who went to an NAI school that was turning into a Division II school, never played in scholarship. And when I was looking for places to coach after, um, I had applied to a bunch of smaller places. Gonzaga was uh, the only place. I actually worked for a guy who worked up here. I, I was working for a book publisher. And so we kind of found our way up here. But um always wanted to be a head coach, but I think he would downplay it to, well, at any level, I played small college basketball, and I thought that that would be a great place for me to be a coach. And I don't know if it's because I was unsure if I could, you know, so many of the players, so many of the coaches at this level played at a high level, mm-hmm. um, especially the the females. And so, you know, I knew I wasn't a high level basketball player, so I didn't know if I could um, have success at this level or even get a job because it's so competitive. So it, when I was a director of ops, I was supposed to, yeah, I'd like to be a head coach one day. Um, and I would probably have followed it, but maybe small college or wherever, kind of as a, um, an out a little bit or a buffer. Sure. And sure. um, so this, this is about as, um, big, a people say dream job and yeah. there's almost I can't think of any situation that would be better than um, what I'm doing, where I'm doing it now. And I feel really fortunate to be in the situation that I'm in
0: Did Was there a time or was it kind of gradual where that switched, where you were like, hey, no, I can not coach at this level. Was there ever a moment where you had that kind of like you know, aha moment?
1: Um. Well, when Kelly was here, he used to tell us, uh, he knew I wanted to be a head coach, and he would tell me, well, I'll apply for it. And when jobs came open, he kind of mentioned, well, did you apply for that one? And so I remember, um, the first job I applied for, I just had our second, um, our second son and I was like, well, I don't know, we're, we're pretty good here. And so maybe people will think that, you know, we're good enough to where they want to hire an assistant from a good program. And so I applied for the first one and didn't know what I, what I was doing at all. Um, and then after that interview process, I thought of all the things I could have done better just in the interview, um, and then, you know, the next one was better, and then by the time I got to this job, I think I had applied for maybe two or three, mm-hmm. definitely two, maybe a third, um, and at that point, it kind of, it didn't fall on my lap, but our athletic director had come, I was in an individual workout when he walked by me and said, hey, I want to know what a staff would look like for you when you get back from the final floor and I was like, okay, yeah, um, pretending like I knew what he was talking about, and then later on, I started thinking about, like, what, well, a staff here at Gonzaga? Like, is that what he's talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, by the time I the, the gravity of the situation hit me, I basically already had the job. Um, and then it was, okay, now I have to figure out how to actually coach these guys yeah. and how to continue with what we had started here. And so, I think probably it was good that it happened like it did, yeah. because I didn't have give myself any time to really worry or fret about it or, you know, get myself worked
0: up. Yeah, well, Sweet 16 in year one, I think that's... Uh I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty pretty. Sad. It was
1: pretty fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> was it surreal at all, or was it? Did you just not even think about it while you're in that season? Because I mean, a Sweet Sixteen. It's it's funny because we talk about it sometimes how some programs, if they don't make a Final Four, they're failures. But it's like, man, it's really hard to make the Sweet Sixteen. Like really, really difficult. So for you to to have such a, a great run, did you did you even enjoy it in the time, or did you just afterwards go, "Hey, that was pretty cool." Ah.
1: Uh. I, I wish I could say that I enjoyed it more
0: yeah.
1: uh, than I did that there because it is really hard. And um, while it was happening, my very first game, when I stepped out, I don't remember who we played. I think it was in Corbin College. My very first game as a head coach, I didn't know where to stand. I didn't know when to stand up and <laughs> when to sit down. Um, that was really stressful. And then that year, my first Division 1 game was against Dayton, and we were down at halftime. And, I mean... You're just figuring it out. You don't know what to say. I've, I've been in the locker room a lot. I've heard people say stuff, but um, kind of going by feel. And so that Dayton game, we came back and won. Um, and then the middle is definitely a blur until we got to um, about the the George Washington game and then the Oregon State one and then the Tennessee one. I remember those ones pretty well. Um, I wish that I wish that I enjoyed them more. I get stressed out, and I, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Okay. and I'm um, still, still working through that, um, you know, this year. So I'm not new at this, but I'm also not um, a hardened veteran. So I still, I, I want to do the best that I can so that our players can have the most success that they can. So, you know, this, every year the seniors, so that year for our seniors, I, those guys went to, to that for me. They all um, went in and said that they, they wanted me to be the next head coach, and um, they were so supportive of me that I felt, I felt very loyal to them. And so that senior year, we, we really screwed it up in the end of that Tennessee game. And, um, you know, we're in a position where we should have won the darn game. And so I, I think that I'm always just trying to do my best so that I can help them achieve the goals that they have and have the most memorable experience that they want. And so I don't think I ever really enjoy it for myself. I mostly enjoy it for the players, it seems like, yeah. so far at least.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, for people who don't know, you guys beat... Uh, six seed Washington, then the third seed Oregon State at Oregon State, and then lost to Tennessee by four in overtime. So you're right there. And uh, Eastern so Oregon. We were up a in that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eastern Oregon was your first game, by the way. That was. Oh, the, Eastern Oregon. Yep.
1: Okay,
0: yep. not Oregon. Yes. Okay. So, uh, so there you go. So heck of a run. Um, with this year's team, uh, you come in. Obviously, expectations are high. You're supposed to be really good. Um, and then uh, your player of the year just is, she's like, I'm out. So she's gone and you lose her. And, and obviously your, your your team is still, it's, it's larger than one player. But when you lose a player that caliber, obviously, um, again, from the outside looking in, people go, oh, that's, that's going to be tough. And here, here we stand though. You're again, you're 10 and one with one really good loss Um, from the inside with, I'm I'm, you'd be as specific, excuse me, as you, you, you want to be, but when you do go through something like that and losing a great player, um, is it something you guys talked about specifically? Uh, is it uh, how did you guys deal with that uh on the inside?
1: Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Um it wasn't the plan. I think that if we would have obviously it wasn't the plan. Um but if if we would have been at this this part of the season with Jill then we very well could could have been ten and one. Uh, it would have looked a lot different. Um than it did last year or than it did with Sparta. But with this year's team, um, with her having opted out, I think that they, we, we are, and you've probably read this if you've read anything that I said, but there's a lot of people talking about the balance that we have mm-hmm. on our team right now. And we have a bunch of different leading scorers, a bunch of different leading rebounders, we have a, a bunch of contributors. Last year, we were we knew where the shots were going to come and where we wanted to direct them. Yeah. But it was, um, sometimes it, it, it was easier to take one person. A, away than it is to take a whole team worth of people away. And so we, we had these same players on the team besides, besides her. But this year, I think they're really um, embracing the fact that we don't necessarily have a superstar and um, really playing well together. And, you know, we, we just said, this is what we have. And we're not the kind of... I'm not the kind of coach, and we're not the kind of staff who says, well, we don't have this person, so I guess that's a real big bummer. We try to be positive, and um, when there's injuries or whatever... It's, all right, this is who we have today in practice, or this is who we have for this team, and we have to do our best. We played Notre Dame without um, probably our second-best post player this year because she had a broken finger, and we could, you know, you can dwell on it, mm-hmm. even though it's not going to change anything, or you can just move forward. So I think that this team has um, stuck together. They were bummed in a lot of ways. Um, they know the kind of player that Jill Sparta is and was, um, but I think it also gave them a little bit of motivation for um, themselves and then just as a group that uh, we're going to stick together. And so far, they've been – it's way easier when you're winning. I, every coach knows that. <laughs> but, sure. But um, they've been – had great chemistry. They're fun for each other. They're happy when – you know, Taylor yesterday had a double-double. Two, two games ago, I think, was like Kira had a double-double. We've had um, – like you said, they're, they're genuinely happy for each other. And um, it, it's been – it's been great. I, I feel happy for these guys because, you know, your best player decides not to come back. Uh, everybody's wondering, well, well that leaves a lot of question marks. Yeah. So I'm just happy that they've been able to find the success they have so far. We have the hardest part of our season coming up. I know it's conference, but so far um, kind of leaning on all of each other
0: and a and different person every day yeah well um and for those who don't know and I, I should have not uh, assumed everyone knew the the deal but Jill Barda decided to forego her last year after four years at Gonzaga and uh ended up uh joining Minnesota's uh training camp for a while before getting cut but to your point with your team I mean you look at your leading score and your sixth leading score they're only separated by about three points so I mean that's about mm-hmm. as, as balanced as you go and um, while you guys aren't scoring the ball at a crazy rate you're averaging about 68 a game defensively you guys have been really good and you rank in the top uh, hundred in a lot of really important categories so you guys have have certainly adjusted well um, for you uh, and get towards the end here i'll get I'll get you out of here I feel like you guys are, you kind of you kind of I don't know if you feel this, but you kind of hover below the surface of national conscience. And then when you dip into the top 25, people are like, oh, yeah, Gonzaga. They're they're always really good. Uh, but so I feel like people don't know a lot about you uh, personally as a coach. And maybe that's I don't know why that is. But um, for people who don't know you, can you can you give them an idea of who you, of who you are uh, besides just your your basketball journey? But just what what is what what is Lisa Fourier like?
1: Oh, yeah. What is Lisa Fortier like? <laughs> um, Lisa Fortier is a little bit of a bleeding heart. Okay. Um, I I can be pulled into any charity or any situation that like pulls on your heartstrings. Um, I have three little kids, so stuff that involves children is extra close to my heart. Uh, I'm tough, I would say. Um, You know, I'm resilient, and I I coach our team that way. I think that that they need to be resilient and that they need to um, um, have um, have them have have a little bit of just figure it out in their game. Um, You know, sometimes it goes according to plan, and sometimes it doesn't. But you just have to put one foot in front of the other. My only half marathon I ever ran, um, one of my mentors said, just put your head down and put one foot in front of the other and keep going. (laughs) And so uh, that's kind of the motto that I have in coaching, parenting, parenting. You know, marriage, all of those things. Um, I don't know. I'm just a regular old person. That's why nobody knows. I don't have that many crazy quirks or um, great stories about me. And and if I did, then there would be a lot more people who knew about him probably. But I'm just a regular old person.
0: Yeah, well, fair enough. A regular old
1: person. Not that exciting.
0: uh, Well, you're a pretty darn good coach. 108 and 36 in five five years at uh, at Gonzaga. Last question, and I'll get you out of here on this. Um, For people who don't know, I I just kind of alluded to it, that people maybe don't know about you guys or people who are unfamiliar with your program, uh, what is the message you would give to them? What would you want people to know about Gonzaga, whether that is just the school or your program or or whatever? I just kind of want to give you that, you know, you could take that whatever direction you want to. Um, Well,
1: I would just say that... uh... Our program is relevant. Um, I I know that we haven't competed on the highest, highest levels, the the Final Four National Championship, but our program is um, so consistent. Um, We have tough kids that play hard for each other. Um, It's a fun place to play. All those coaches out there who are looking for home-and-homes and and think, oh, I don't want to go to Gonzaga, you do. It's fun. Um, It gives a great uh, student-athlete experience. And, um, it's one of the best family environments that there are, um, from the bottom to the top and not just our program, but the university, um, Spokane, there's this hashtag that is Spokane doesn't suck. Um, and it should be Spokane's awesome. and it's a great place, a beautiful city and, um, the Zags are here to stay.
0: Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, 10-1 and 1, uh, will play their final non-conference game on Thursday uh, against uh, Idaho. And then you start your conference playing the 29th with a tough a tough trip down to Loyola Marymount. So uh, certainly, like you said, the hardest part is yet to come. But you guys have been uber successful. It's been fun to watch. I look forward to watching you guys continue to play. And all the best of luck to you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time for me, Coach. Thanks, Blake. Thanks so much again to Gonzaga head coach Lisa 48 for joining me. If you happen to be looking at their schedule or something and, and are confused about us talking about games they played yesterday, uh, we recorded this on Monday, so they played on Sunday. It's now Tuesday. Um, so just if in case you're looking at the schedule and being confused. Not that it's that relevant, but just wanted to add that caveat in there. Really am looking forward to seeing the Zags continue to perform. If, if they don't end up in the NCAA tournament, I certainly would be surprised. I think they're a team that's a force to be reckoned with, and I'm really uh, appreciative of of Coach Forty Eight for joining me. I'm really appreciative of you for listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever else you listen. Again, if you listen on iTunes, and <clears throat> wow, that was gross. If you could listen, uh, if you listen to us on iTunes and leave a rating and a review, that is really appreciated as well. You can find me on Twitter at Blake Dudonis, and uh, as always grateful for the interaction and for all of you guys listening until next time this is the jump around